The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki Season 2. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. You are listening to Habs and Minded. Brought to you by HabsEyesOnThePrize.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of Absent Minded. We are on the verge of the season opening in Montreal for the first home game. And it will be a wild one in some ways and a quiet one in some other ways. It's Patrick Bexel here, joined today by Anton Rosegård. Thank you again, Anton, for, for stepping up. No problem. It's easy talking about the Canadians in times like these when things go well. Indeed it is. And and first and foremost, we have to mention it. And to to no one's real surprise, Tyler Toffoli, first uh, star of the week or, or second star of the week, because we have to mention that Virgin uh, Aubert from, from University of Montreal Health Center is a solid number one, really. Of course, yeah. Um, what she does is more important than hockey. And what all of the healthcare workers do right now is more important than hockey. But um, yeah, considering what Toffoli did when he iced his his old team in, in the first two games there with five goals in, in two games, it's uh, well-deserved. And it was perfect timing as well because we saw already in the first game what Josh Anderson could provide in terms of goal scoring and, and speed and size and and we saw more and more uh, over the week that Joel Edmondson could be a, a stable top four defenseman. And we saw what Jake Allen could provide as a backup goaltender. But it was just nice to see Toffoli. He may not be the speediest, but he knows how to find the net. And he, yeah, he loves playing against the Canucks, which is perfect because we have six more games to go. Two of them coming already next week. So he may... Just as well keep that uh, keep that goal scoring uh, goal scoring um, stride up because uh, yeah it's um, it's perfect timing for the Canadians just to be able to roll uh, all four lines and have uh, scoring on all four lines. Indeed, and it really has been the 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 approach of rolling four lines that we have joked about for a couple of years, but but suddenly it's bearing fruit and it's been a very stable off season to set it up this way. It was a really good article in. Uh, I sport in Czechoslovakia or in Czech Republic. Sorry, I was reading about the Second World War earlier today. So yes, yeah, only only been thirty years. So. Yeah, come on. <laughs> uh, but yeah, from Czech Republic, and uh, they had a really good interview as well with Frolik, and uh, we have gotten permission to translate that, so it will be on the site uh, sooner rather than later when you when you listen to this. Um, looking forward, though, uh, they, there's been a week off, uh, a very cute week when we, when we consider Tyler Toffoli, uh, that was uh, napping with his dog uh, on the sofa, uh, for, for those of you who haven't seen it, super cute um, picture that was posted by his uh, girlfriend, and um, yeah, it's, it's, 
it seems like the new guys and 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 the people that has brought in uh, been brought into Montreal Canadiens really has gotten gelled with the team and also create something new buzz around the team right yeah, I think as well. I think me and Jared talked about that as well, that it feels like everyone has bought in, even the go- the guys who are number 13 and 14 on the forward depth chart, or if you're the backup goalie, or, you know, if you're on the taxi squad for defensemen, it just feels like everyone is um, just contributing in different ways, and they know what their role is. We saw that, I mean, the last the last podcast, we, we um, me and Jared, um, yeah, uh, when we had, like, that was before the, the last game against Vancouver, for example. And then Corey Perry comes in, uh, replacing Joel Armia, and he scores in his first game. And it was not only the goal, because the goal was kind of fluky, but just the game he provided as a 13th guy. Just in, in his first game as a Canadian, he goes in and you just feel like, oh, this is way more satisfying than having a guy called up from the AHL who has never played a game in the NHL before. This guy knows how to be prepared when he's called upon. And as you say, that kind of goes for for all of the guys who have just come in and they know what their role is. You can say what you want about like signing Joel Edmondson, for example, for four years, three and a half million per year. But he knows how to be a defenseman in the NHL. He knows what his strengths are and he knows how to minimize his his weaknesses so it's not as visible. And he can score. He can score from in front of his own net as well, and that's positive. Yeah, for for once, the the no goalie wasn't the best goalie, as has been the case in some instances when Montreal has played. I think it was the 14-15 season where whenever the, the they had the chance for an open net, they missed. Uh, anyhow, opening night tomorrow against Calgary Flames with the flame. That is supposed to be there, being the torch being handed from player to player, uh, from one of the alumni. Uh, we have the the kid that that skates around, the little arsonist. Uh, will they bring in Shizamutinov to, to to do that? Probably not. But on the other hand, it's gonna. You, you sort of have to expect Montreal to really pull out all the stops for this home opener to make it as big as possible. Yeah, I mean, now it's um, when you start the season with 4.02 on the road, naturally you expect it, even without fans, to be easier when you're on your home ice. And now they're going to play a Flames team which are coming off um, two recent losses. Well, I think we, we spoke in the beginning of the season that, you know, the Flames are supposed to be um, one of the teams that go to to the playoffs from this North Division. But... They haven't looked... I mean, of course, they play the Maple Leafs, and the Maple Leafs are a good team, but they have started the season 2-2-1-1. Uh, so I think this, especially the first game, is more important for, for the Flames than the Canadians. If the Canadians lose, it's kind of like, yeah, well, one loss in seven games uh, after regulation, that's not too bad. But if the Flames lose another one, and they lose against these good teams, it just goes to show that they are not quite there, perhaps. Yeah, and we'll, if, if we compare this a little bit to the SHL, it's double the amount of teams in a way, but the only team that has really climbed in the standings in the SHL from start to now, which has been, what, four months, mm. uh, is Vecchio. And they have done it little by little by little, and they look really, really good for, for a deep playoff run uh, with former Canadian Christian Feline on the, on the back end. Yeah. Uh, but... But 
it is really, really tough to make that leap in, in, in such a short season as well. Yeah, especially if you wanna if you wanna compete for real, because in a seven game division where you have teams like Ottawa, and I don't want to say the Jets anymore because the Jets have a solid um, tandem of of Sanders now. Um, so the Jets are absolutely challengers for for a playoff spot. But but especially, I mean, we can count out Ottawa. I, I can't see the Senators making the playoffs, and then it's just six teams. And since you're playing each other over and over again, it's just about being in the mix. And I think that now we've seen that the Canadians, for example, will not only be in the mix, but they have a team which can really qualify for uh, the top spot and can challenge, well, basically Toronto and Edmonton. And yeah, I, I think that the Canadians are looking best out of the North Division teams. And I don't think it's a stretch to say it, uh, not only because of the wins, but how they are getting it done. And but, yeah, it, it feels it feels very solid all around. Indeed, it does. And it, it really is by community. We, we've said everyone has bought in and you could say the young kids has bought, been bought into this as well, because uh, Montreal said they were not going to go out with who goes on the taxi squad and, and being sent down for paper reasons, because that will just create a lot of, of, of different articles that are not really true and speculations that are not even even true. But it seems like Kotkaniemi, Romanov, uh, Evans, Suzuki as well, I guess, uh, will go down to the taxi squad to create that uh, money relief and, and create that mm. space when there is no games around and and they are shifting it around so there's not one guy being sent down all the time but it's it's a guy that is being sent down and you they are losing a little bit of money out of that as well but in the end they get a better chance to win a cup and that's what they are here for exactly because the alternative would be to trade one of those guys who are number 13 14 or even one who is in the lineup and and as you say then then the team will get worse and you will have less of a chance of a cup so i think that mark bergevin and his team around him have have put this very clear out to the team that this is the way that we're going to do it if we don't get a really good trade offer for one of one of the players that we can accept trading um we're not con just going to trade for cap reasons but we're going to work the system in in an efficient way and so far it works out well indeed it does if we look at calgary flames uh, and the lineup they have it, it is really a similar kind of, of lineup it's a it's a deep lineup uh, even if they haven't had a start or as as Montreal has it's a, it's a deep lineup um, obviously there were some um, shenanigans in in Toronto last night when we saw uh, uh, Tachak getting uh, a little bit heated yeah. at the at the uh, well, Kachuk and... is always heated, so... <laughs> yeah, but but at the end of the game, uh, obviously getting a puck flipped at you uh, when you lose is going to set someone off, but... Yeah, but he's he's just so easy to... He's just so easy to um, to ir irritate. So, like, Jake Musson, of course, you can't do that. Like, you can't just hit a, shoot a puck at, at an opposing player after... Yeah, after after the signal. But, but it's still, like, Kachuk, I mean, he, he's... He he needs to just as his just like his brother, uh, they like to be on the edge at all times, and that is when they play their best hockey as well. But sometimes, 
you know, it doesn't take much to just go over that edge, especially when they lose, as you said. Yeah, and, and they have a first line that you sort of, it's Chachak, uh, Elias Lindholm, and Andrew Magnapain. Uh, and, yeah. and they are, it's nothing that really stands out for, for different reasons. And then obviously you got Gaudreau, Monaghan, and, and Simon. Uh, I mean, I, I would say that Kachuk stands out. Obviously Kachuk it stands is, out, but it's not like yeah. a first line as you compare with Toronto or, or Winnipeg. No, no, no. Sure, sure. And and, but, but it's a deep team still, and they have struggled. They haven't had the bounces that maybe that Montreal has, and maybe they, they, haven't, they aren't as deep as maybe they thought. But it is an interesting team, and obviously they're backed up with one of the top goalies in the league last year with um, with Markstrom, right? Mm. Yeah, of course. It's interesting to see how, how quickly Jacob Markstrom has adapted uh, to his new situation because do you remember when Markstrom was younger and it was always like, when was he going to take the next step and become a viable starting goaltender in the NHL? And I was kind of thinking that when he played as well as he did last year in Vancouver, I was just like, well, is he going to regress a little bit when he goes to a new team? He gets all this pressure on him. Like, he's going to be the starter for real now. He's not going to be challenged. Well, David Reddick is there. But, I mean, it's it's clear that Markstrom is the guy. He got a six-year and uh, $36 million contract. And he's looked good to start the season. He has played every game so far, so I'm guessing that Riddick will get one of the stars against the Canadians just to keep him warm as well. But but yeah, Markstrom has looked good. They also signed Chris Tanev, um, which is something that we can see that Vancouver misses really much now. There seems to be a lot of players that Vancouver is missing right now. Um, yeah, but it's... But we could just see this, like Quinn Hughes played a lot with Tanev, right? And and just having someone, Tanev isn't the greatest player, but he was someone who Hughes could rely on, right? And and just um, missing that veteran presence and a defensive kind of pillar on, on the back end, it just, yeah, it makes, like Hughes had to have to like take much more responsibility in, in the Vancouver defense as well. And yeah, assigning Tanev, not the flashiest, but he does his job, like kind of like Edmondson. And, and you can say as well that it's, it's Vancouver's own fault to, to having uh, send off pieces that are, were an integrated part of, of that team last year because of the cap situation that they put themselves in with different contracts. Mm. Uh, but, but, how does Montreal Canadiens go around beating uh, the Flames in these two games? I think that the Canadians just continue to play the way they play. I, I mean, playing with speed, rolling four lines. I, I think that there is no real difference in playing the Flames. Because even if you say they are deep, yeah, sure, they are. But they are not as deep as the Canadians. They have a few stars. I mean, Ketchuk... Goodrow and even Elias Lindholm have turned into uh, really like quality NHL players, and they have great players on the back end as well, uh, namely Mark Giordano, of course. Um, even if he's getting up there in age, but but it's really like no matter which line you put out there for the Canadians against these Flames, I don't think that they will be outmatched. Um, so yeah, it just continue the way that they played for these first six games, and and I think it will be fine. There will obviously be uh, some sort of highlight uh, reel showing the, the Milan usage of, of Boston, but he has really yeah. regressed as a player as well. Uh, but obviously it always brings a little bit of an edge when, when Milan Lucic comes to town, right? 
Yeah, it does. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what Galli and Lucic, um, if they, they can g- get into some kind of brawl and just uh, do do it like uh, Galli and Chara has done in the past. And No, but Milan Lucic, he knows. It, it feels like he knows what kind of role he has to play here as well. Um, he's not going to be uh, the power forward uh, that he has done been before. He's way too slow for that. And I, I still can't believe that um, Edmonton was able to trade that contract. Um, but... Yeah, Lucic will, won't. I I don't see him making a difference in this game in any part. I just remember that we forgot to mention Sean Monahan. He's a great player as well. Indeed, he is uh, centering the second line with yeah. Gaudreau, and and obviously Gaudreau will bring uh, something extra to to the table as well. So with a good center, you, you're really letting him go. Uh, mm. But but it is a little bit of. of um, in some ways, I think Montreal should win this quite easily. But on the other hand, yeah. I also know that these are the games that Montreal can fumble, a little bit like the Buffalo games. You should beat them. There's a decent team. But we end up always losing. At least that's how it feels. And and, sure. and a little bit like I would think maybe Ottawa is this year, where you sort of expect them to win. and, and The Ottawa, trap card. Ottawa is going to, you know, they're going to, what do we say? The, the fish is going to flip in the pan. Uh, <laughs> they got they, every now and then they're going to flip right way as well. So it will be different. But but yeah, I'm I'm a little bit nervous. Uh, I think that you know you're not going to get the crowd in there as as they normally do on an opening night. It might be a bit tense, but you got that long uh, warm up period in a way where you hand off the torch from one to the another passing down the, the, the flame from from our fathers to, to our sons, etc. etc. But and and that nervous energy that it brings and everyone is excited for the season to start at home in Montreal. But seriously can 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 they pull this off? Can can they really be that stable and just go for it? I don't think it's really that important, to be honest. Like, the Canadians have, have shown in the beginning of this season that they are a competitive team. And if they were to lose both games now, it wouldn't be ideal, but they would still be 4-2-2 two, and two to start the season after eight games. Um, and that's not bad. We would be behind so, Toronto, and we don't want that. No, but it doesn't really matter. It's eight games in. The important thing is just to tag along and, and to, be, to be there. And the game, like, the way they play is much more important than... Um, especially now when we've seen that they can get results. Uh, but but now just not panicking and not re- overreacting to, to just one result. I mean, it, it can. You know, every, every puck can bounce the wrong way tomorrow night and it will just con- turn into a zero, like a 4-0 loss and a disaster. Does that mean that the Canadians are all of a sudden, uh, you know, trending the wrong way? No, it's one game and they have another one coming up on Saturday. So... Yeah, even if it doesn't go the right way, the important thing is just to continue grinding and continue like um, continue to build uh, the team that we've seen uh, for the first six games of the season. And yeah, the Calgary Flames, uh, I mean, they can be a trap card at this point. And especially like these teams will know each other so well after just a, a chunk of the season because they will play each other so many times. As I said, uh, the Canadians will have Canucks two more times uh, in the beginning of next week. So... 
it, it's just uh, of course like this team it isn't gonna go like the Montreal Canadiens won't go 56 games without a regular season uh, a regulation um, regulation time loss so it will happen but the important thing is just not to overreact to it and just continue on um, yeah continue on pushing forward Joel Armia was taken off for for a concussion he was skating last night uh, mm. can you see him joining the team or or when you have a team that is gelling at this time, would you still keeping out and, and especially considering the repercussions with that, that you can get from playing with a concussion? Well, we saw the with uh, Patrick Mahomes clearing protocol last week that apparently concussions can heal pretty quickly. Um, no, I think that um, like it all comes down to the the what the medics uh, say and how severe the concussion actually was. Of course, you don't want to risk anything after a concussion and. Especially now, we saw that Corey Perry is a viable replacement. Uh, so if he gets another crack at it, I wouldn't be uh, disappointed. But Joel Armia in his last game uh, against Vancouver had um, had two plus two um, and four points. So it would be great to have him back on the uh, third line to center. Yeah, well, winging um, Kotkaniemi. But yeah, Corey Perry or Armia, it's just, it doesn't really matter for the end result, I think. Um, in our la- latest podcast uh, with uh, Jason Paul, he brought up a, a little bit of a different solution to the to the power kill. Uh, obviously, Montreal has had a good power kill in in some ways in regards to the fact that they have scored uh, goals, but they have yeah. also let up a few chances. We saw them adjust very very well to to the Frelunda move, as I call it, because I've seen that move so many times in, in SHL, uh, where it goes behind the, the, the extended goal line and then in front to the slot and someone just slots it home. Uh, yeah. But... but Was it when it, the, bumper, the bumper was moving up? Like Horvath moved yeah. from the crease up to the slot? Yeah, but that's yeah. that's essentially what Joel Lundqvist has done as well. All right, for, all right. Yeah. <laughs> for... for uh, 500 games in the SHL with Ryan Lash on his shoulder, more or less. But but um, when, when you look at it, um, you also, in that second game and then third game, you, you opened up for Elias Pettersson. And, and sooner or later, Elias Pettersson is going to go bang. We all know that. But do, do you think that the key adjustment here, they reacted, they adjusted very well. Do you see that the team maybe is adjusting faster when you play an opponent three times in four days yeah i think that is uh, i i think that's a great point because when you play a team uh, uh, several times you get more times to to scout them and also to uh, to react to any mistakes that you made in the previous game and that is also what i thought was uh, interesting with vancouver it felt like they didn't react they had just decided to play a certain way and they couldn't uh, adapt anything to to the next games against Canadians. So they just continued on letting in goals the same way over and over again. And the fact that the penalty kill, I think the penalty kill will be like up and down for the entire season. I don't think the Canadians have, they are not a Barry Trotz coach team. They don't have the pieces to just close down an opponent in the own zone like uh, New York Islanders. But I think that they... Um, they know that they have quick players um, who can disturb uh, quality opponents. So if you don't, we saw against Toronto in the first game that if the opponents are too skilled, uh, the Canadians can become kind of 
crushed into the middle and just end up screening their own goaltender into into letting in goals. Um, but on the other hand, as you've said, they can also provide a bit of um, offensive uh, chances on the penalty kill because it doesn't take much to just break up a pass and just go for it uh, with the speed Canadians forwards have. So yeah, um, as a end result, I think the penalty kill will vary from from week to week, up and down. I don't think it will be on in top of the league, but it doesn't need to be as long as the Canadians are as good as they are five on five. So with this two game stand. Uh, what do you think will be the score at the end? 1-1 would it be a drawn series or, or will one team go 2-0? Yeah, I don't want to say 2-0. I don't want to jinx that. So, uh, and, and I don't want to be a, a negative Nancy either and say 0-2. No so I say 1-1. One one. Uh, preferably, um, because the, the, the fun thing about the Habs is that it feels like they never give up. The last game against Vancouver, for example, I mean, they are 2-0 up. Uh, it feels like it's a solid win, and then the Canucks come back in three minutes and tie the game. And what happens? Like, like if you were the Canadians from three years ago, they would just die. And like, they, they would just lose that game. Like, because they have given it their everything and it didn't work but now it just feels like they continue on grinding they know that this will happen because it happened in 1819 it happened in 1920 that the canadians lead a game or everything is going well and then all of a sudden the opponents come back from nothing and so they just continue on playing uh to their strengths and all of a sudden they are four two up again and yeah that, that is I feel like that is something which is encouraging also for uh, for this stretch, like uh, these games against the Flames. Even if the Canadians would be down two to nothing, for example, I don't think that they will give up until it's the like fifty nine thirty on the clock um, and just half a minute to go, because like they know that they can come back in any game and bounce back like Rocky in one of the later Rocky movies. Well, bringing in Philadelphia to everything that we speak about, yeah, I'm not sure I'm happy with that, but at well, least it's Broad not Street Cleveland Browns. <laughs> yeah, well, Cleveland is coming. Just you wait. Next time they will challenge for a Super Bowl. Um, you heard it here first. Uh, well, you heard it here first a week ago. Uh, let's be honest with that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Second, though, uh, looking a bit back, um, who are your three stars of the Canadian teams from the opening road trip? From from the Canadians team or from all the Canadian teams? Uh, from the Canadians team, from, from okay, Montreal. Yeah. I, I think that you have to, obviously you have to have Tyler Toffoli, even if it's just a two-game two like two span. Um, what he did in those two games just shows what he can bring to the team. And five goals is impressive. Um, I also want to bring up Alexander Romanov because coming in to Romanov, Romanov sorry, Romanov, but bringing it like coming in and, and playing so maturely um, from the start and showing no signs of, yeah, showing no signs of, of needing extra time. Um, it's impressive for for a recently turned twenty one year old, um, and the third one will be, I, I think I'm gonna say Nick Suzuki because Nick Suzuki is just showing more and more that there really was no reason to give up a lot of uh, capital for a Pierre Luc Dubois when you have basically a Pierre Luc Dubois who is uh, one or two years younger in your own team. Uh, Nick Suzuki is just. 
gluing his line together. So I think it was if it was Scott or Jared who wrote an article on that, that basically the Canadians first and second line is just, um, well, the, the two first lines are just so good at the moment that it just feels like basically they are playing with two, two first lines. Um, and Nick Suzuki is a big part of that. What he does on the second line with uh, Drouin and uh, uh, newly acquired and um, it's very encouraging for the future. Indeed it is. And, and uh, obviously with Romanov uh, going there as well in, in, in those top three, um, it, it shows that the youth movement in Montreal is going forward. Um, just short to, to finish this podcast off, we have uh, seen that uh, Matthias Norlinder is raring to go in the SHL. He told us that uh, every, everything was feeling good and, and uh, he's optimistic to start playing again. But it has been tough. And, and it seemed to me when I spoke to him that it has been tough mentally for him in many ways. Yeah. Another person that has made a, a, a interesting debut for a new team is obviously Johnny Ikonen. Great. I'll be honest, there's always a lot of talk about Johnny Ekonen because a lot of people remember his performances, uh, a 10-game stretch or a 13-game stretch where he scored yeah. 10 points with Alexander Tetschier on, 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 his, uh, on his wing. But yeah, I'm, I'm just really happy to see Johnny play hockey again. Yeah, definitely. Um, every, like every positive aspect from here on out is just you know uh, uh, extra cream on the cake or something creme de la creme uh no just seeing him back on the ice uh, being able to play in the liga in liga it's it's just um it's a great sign for him because as you've said you may not hold uh, great expectations for him to play in the nhl um but at least he will play hockey somewhere and, and that's the important part for a 21 year old at this point yeah, and he also said that uh, what I found when I when I texted with him a little bit, uh, he he also pointed out that his knee felt stable. It was not just good; it was stable. And I think yeah. he w- had been nervous about a little bit of, of of an injury that lingered, but but it seems to have healed up. He was on the fourth line, and and the first thing we have to look for is can he climb that Ilves lineup mm. uh, an Ilves team that has been really really good at the start or halfway through the Liga season uh, mm. he gets half a season to go and then we'll have to see what Montreal Canadiens do with him uh, I think they have to sign him to a contract in order to keep his his uh, rights because otherwise he he get, becomes a free agent since he hasn't signed a NHL contract before right yeah I think so uh, it's the fourth year so yeah they will have to make a make a decision on him in the summer we have a lot to talk about coming up at uh, at um, Habsent Minded and at uh, Habs Eyes on the Prize. You mentioned a few pieces. Jared has has written some really good pieces. Justin, has met, uh, our big boss, has, has obviously written something as well. Uh, yeah, he wrote a great there. article today, uh, Justin, about uh, who the Canadians should keep um, uh, like uh, keep on the um, um, protected list for for the upcoming expansion draft, which was really interesting. So go and check that out if you haven't already. Uh, and obviously Matt and Scott is always providing insight David San Louis as well for 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 the prospects coming up and we're gonna restart the series with uh, the organizational play, player of the month and uh, hopefully we'll have something up with that in regards to the podcast as well uh, this weekend or early next week uh, thank you guys for listening 
visit the website, obviously. Um, thank you, Anton, for, for joining us once more. Uh, you're, you're, you're part of the crew now, so I shouldn't really be thanking you anymore. No, there's no reason. It's just you, me, and Jared alternating here. So, yeah. But you can still thank me. It feels very nice. Uh, we're going to bring in some guests so you don't tire of Anton. That's that's yeah. that's the only rule we have for guests. It has to be uh, Jared or me doing the interviews. Now, yeah. only joking. I'm sure that Anton will start bringing in guests because everyone appreciates your, your contributions here, Anton, and you always have good insights. Uh, again, thank you guys for listening. Um, stay safe out there.